0: Apologies, due to a technical glitch that might just sound like your host, who is a seasoned radio actor and voice artist, so he would never have done the thing that it sounds like has been done, which is have his microphone facing in completely the wrong direction and creating a sound, therefore, that is rather too echoey, making it sound like it has been recorded in Nadine Doris's library, or head, But nonetheless, that's the impression that the technical glitch might give. Apologies for that. It's only for episode one of Genesis of the Daleks. Normal service will be resumed in the next instalment. Please forgive me. You're listening to Happy Times and Places, a positively inclined Doctor Who episode commentary in which I, Toby Haydock, get a special guest to choose their favourite things about a particular Doctor Who story, and I have to guess what those things are.
1: Alright, good morning Toby. If morning it is. Right, here we go. My name is David Quantic, I'm a comedy writer mostly, I write other things and I do broadcasting. I'm also a big Doctor Who fan. I wrote The Dark Husband for Big Finish many years ago. And I also, by strange coincidence, wrote a bit of The Thick of It in which future Doctor Who, Peter Capaldi, is very rude about the children's movie Star Wars. Um, My dad tells me... Sorry, my dad told me that I saw the first episode of Doctor Who from my pram and I continue to be a fan. The story I am nominating is Genesis of the Daleks by Terry Nation. I love Genesis of the Daleks. It's, it's the first really big Doctor Who story. It's the first one that kind of sets out a sort of uniqueness stall. Other Doctor Who stories had dealt with, oh his history in a kind of how do we get rid of Patrick Troughton, oh I know, Time Lords, they suddenly exist. But there'd never been what we now call a who universe before. There'd never been a kind of context for Doctor Who. He just fought baddies, travelled round in a police box, met attractive young men and women and that was it really. So there was a sense of anticipation about this story. And Doctor Who was huge at this point. This show got, this particular edition, got round about 10 million viewers per episode, which was a lot. But this was different, this was serious, this was genesis of the Daleks. It's what we now call event television. And, as we'll see, it was an event for me.
0: Well, welcome everybody to this Doctor Who commentary on a classic story. This is very exciting for me because uh, regular listeners will know uh, the wheeze of this is that I get a friend of mine to choose their favourite things from a Doctor Who story of their choice. However, I've never met today's subject from whom you've just heard. David Quantic, though, who is a big deal in my world. He's a fantastic comedy writer. I'm a great admirer of his work. I once thought I'd done okay because I, I... Got to audition for a small part of something in something he'd written. I didn't get, but for me, it just felt like victory to uh, even be through the doors and reading something with his name on it. Uh, always been a great fan of his satirical writing and his brilliant turn of phrase. So um, he went on Twitter and said, "Oh, does anyone know any podcasts I can go on to plug my latest thing, which you're going to hear all about? Uh, I'm sure uh, on this. Well, I know because uh, I will, I will, I will put his voice where it needs to go." Um, uh, and, I, and somebody uh, added me and I said well my, my uh, podcast isn't really right, it's just me wanging on about Doctor Who and he said well I like wanging on about Doctor Who so I said well look, um, if you want to choose a story uh, and then you can add your plug um, so it meant I got a really special guest um, and he got to, to, to plug his wares to you guys uh, which I'm sure will be of interest um, so this is actually recorded not long before uh, I release it. Most of the ones you hear as they come out are at least six months, um, six months old, really, because, um, because I prepare them that far in advance, uh, for patrons who are, uh, uh, ahead of, uh, uh, you guys, um, unless you're patrons listening now, but you know the score. Um, um, but so, so this one I'm recording pretty close to release, uh, to tie in with, uh, when David's, um, latest project, uh, you know is out there so um it's odd isn't it then therefore that uh genesis of the daleks one of the show's acknowledged all time classics um has been chosen i mean it was literally i think one of six unclaimed tom bakers that was my slight worry when i said to david you get to choose a story oh here's the very dwindling list but then i looked and uh green death and genesis were both there so i thought well there uh, they're two uh, classics that uh, I'm really surprised. haven't cho- Somebody has chosen Underworld, for goodness sake. Um, and in that week, actually, somebody claimed Green Death and David claimed Genesis. So I'm very intrigued to see uh, who will choose what is left. Loads of new series stuff left. It seems this is very much uh, an exercise in nostalgia. So anyway, that's quite a long preamble, but I thought there was uh, various things of note to mention there that were unusual uh, for this particular podcast, which I'm flattered and grateful to you all for listening to. Um, I hope you have your DVD ready. I have uh, a little light illuminated next to Play All, which is what I'm going to do, because I'm going to start this story at the beginning, as is tradition, with episode one of Genesis of the Dalek. Let's press play or select or whatever you would like to do in three, two, one. Oh my goodness! This is. Uh, I'm quite a traditional creature. I like to think of myself as an honor class, iconoclast who bucks against the trend, and I don't. I don't like things that are popular just because everybody else likes them. And then when I see people going, I don't like Caves of Androzani or Genesis of the Daleks, they like, what are they trying to prove, idiots? Whereas, of course, uh, what I'm trying to do there is patrols people's personal taste. Uh, people might just not like something and not be doing it because it makes them feel cool. However, I can't feel cool enough to say I don't like Genesis of the Daleks, which is an acknowledged classic of the show because I think it's terrific. Uh, I remember when I first saw this scene. Well, I don't know if I remember when I first saw it, because I can't remember if it's on the compilation that was shown for Doctor Who and the Monsters. I was most used to this on a cassette uh, uh, tape that I listened to over and over again. But I love this slow motion. I think, I don't know why. I think it's because it's just slightly unusual for Doctor Who. Uh, You know, the chalk dust of the quarry, the smoke, the, the, the... we know gas masks are scary. It's because they're familiar, but we, but we, but we, you know, we sort of. I think we're aware of how how they feel and 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 they look. Quite, but 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 you know, they're also reminiscent of a of a terrible time in in recent history. Um, uh, but of course, the opening of Genesis to me was I stepped from the TARDIS into a, or whatever it is. Tom Baker says at the beginning of the cassette, uh, and you know, yeah. He meets the Time Lord, played by John Franklin Robbins, who I have met, uh, long deceased now. John Franklin Robbins, but uh, he played Julius Caesar at the Ludlow Festival, so I hung around outside the stage door, and uh, and met him, and left a little questionnaire for him, and he answered my questions, uh, you know, fairly uh, f- fairly briskly. Uh, on you know, he just left, a, he just left a. I think I left a stamped addressed envelope uh, or I left them at the box office and came to pick them up. He said, the idea of universals has always, playing universals has always appealed to me, which is why I accepted a relatively small part. It is a small part, but it's a good part, Daleks. And I mean, I knew this exchange um, word for word. And so, yeah, he's, I mean, John Franklin Robbins literally does, you know, half a day on Doctor Who, but I think this is a great character and it's a good performance. And he's a he's a Time Lord, but I don't sort of count him like yeah, the other Time Lords because he's he's the Time Lord at the beginning of Genesis of the Daleks. I mean, it's a it's a we don't know who this guy is, but it's it's a bit like Death playing Chess in the Seventh Seal, isn't it? There's a bit of that going on, but but this I, I like the way that they've made this that this battlefield environment so spooky. As you know it's Doctor Who in a quarry. It's, it's not got anything unusual, you know, machine guns and barbed wire and all of that sort of thing, but but throw it together with this period of Doctor Who's history and the, the tone with which these stories are told, and I think it's something quite special. Um, it's quite, to coin a phrase now, and it, which is going to be a little bit old-fashioned, it's quite sort of boys-only, boys-own adventure, and, and you know, my house was surrounded by, you know, Commando magazine, and, and you know, world the World Wars were used as sort of, used a sort of you know entertainment quite heavily uh when i was younger and i had old elder brothers who had all of that stuff and doctor who seemed a little sort of safer and more fantastical than that because you know we knew about the real we we knew that the world wars were real and horrible although they were turned into sort of quite chipper adventures a lot of the time for kids um uh but but to have that sort of stuff in doctor who did did seem to confer a little bit of sort of uh, harshness to doctor who that made it not for kids and i was desperate for doctor who not to be for kids um something's annoyed <laughs> it's brilliantly directed this um but i and i uh, and i think all of this is this is great um david maloney does some fantastic location work but you know and it's grim uh and it, and it, and it uses as i say the, the gas mark that just that little crash zoom there into the into the gas mask. There is something about a gas mask, which is why Stephen Moffat was a genius to hit upon it for, I don't know, and he went the took the genius an extra level by having a child's voice coming out of it, um, asking a simple question. Um, but the horror of the gas mask. There is a there is something, um, you know, stifling about it, and it and it's on a person, but it sort of dehumanizes their face. Uh, and he's got a gun from Galaxy Four. Um, uh, I like all of this very economic storytelling, you know, oh, we found a dead body. It's got ancient and modern weapons. Playing rock music is a terrible joke, but it's it's played quite right. And it's sort of meant to be a terrible joke. It's all this stuff, war of attrition, only backwards. I mean, this. I listened to the cassette of this over and over again. So actually Genesis was a story for people of my generation that was almost too familiar. So, if there was a repeat of Doctor Who, so so it was repeated for Doctor Who and the Monsters, which was um, uh, Curse of Peladon, wasn't it? This and I think Earth Shock, um, uh, which was an unexpected series of repeats. That one of them just was a thing called Doctor Who and the Monsters on tonight. which was the Curse of Peladon, and it was two episodes edited together, so it's fifty-minute installments, and it was a cut-down version of Genesis. I know there've been cut-down versions before, but this is the vers- This is the one I remembered, and I, and, I, and I was slightly disappointed because. Uh, I knew there was a cassette of it kicking about. I don't know if I had the cassette at that point. But then I did get the cassette. I think I borrowed the cassette off my friend Ollie, and he just sort of let me keep it because I was the Doc Two fan, and he wasn't so much. And he was—he always—he always got things if he sort of wanted them. And I think there was a tacit understanding that, you know, I—I I didn't. So therefore, people are kind, aren't they? So I—I—I I, I, I think Ollie let me have his 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 Genesis of the Daleks cassette, and um. Uh. But then this was then repeated when they started the Pertwee repeats. They did Spear from Space and Doctor of the Silurians And I got a, a, a VHS then and I lived in my own house, you know. And so I was like, oh, great. I can tape off air good quality recordings of, you know, uh, of, uh, of, of Doctor Who stories. Uh, and of course, then they jumped to Genesis, which had already got a good quality copy. Of Because had, had it been repeated at another time? It's, it, it, it seemed ubiquitous. Um, and I remember, and, and so I was, it was, Genesis was always a bit sort of over familiar, which shows how sort of spoilt you can be. The reason, because it was repeated more times than any other classic Doctor Who story. But part of you, if you, you know, was sort of going, yeah, yeah, but I, I know the general public might benefit from seeing Genesis, but I, I can't, I can't really show the invasion of time. I've got a really terrible quality copy of that. Um, but all of this stuff, interestingly, I remember how, when I first got it on video. Um, you know, bootleggy piratey, probably from a Super Channel copy or something. Um, All of this stuff isn't on the cassette, which is another, yet another edited version. It's surely the Doctor Who story that exists in the most different uh, versions of the same thing. Shada is a slightly different thing. Um, uh, You know, different edits and and lengths and all of that. Um, And so all of this stuff with the landmine, which is, you know, very much sort of padding, if you like, Actually, is makes this episode as it stands on its own. This very tense, establishing the battlefield, sort of episode, and and, and isn't really padding. I think it's le- it's legitimate, and be- and I think that's only partially because it's done really well. There are other directors, or if it had been done in studio, the Doctor just having to tread on a landmine would have been, you know, just and them having to do that would have just been a bit tiresome. But actually, that scene is done very well. It's played very well. I like the thing about, you know, him saying Harry's open is both dying know now Doctor, all of that. I I like the relationship that the the Doctor and Harry have when they do that sort of slightly indirect conversations with each other. I love this TARDIS crew actually. Um, And then I remember being quite shocked because this is suddenly the first time we're on videotape and you suddenly go, oh God, now it suddenly looks like every other Doctor Who um, or or because it's videotape of um, outside, although it's a trench, it's still outside, isn't it? Try and you know the v- v- inside being outside. It suddenly go, oh, well, this is this is Doctor Who as you know uh, on on you know sets sets doing their best, but you're not kidding anybody. Having had whatever it is, we've had what ten minutes, uh, ten minutes of film. So, you know, that's another reason that landmine stuff is really good, because, you you know, it's, it's really sucked us into the world. Uh, and now, and that's slightly jarring, that change, even though they fill it with smoke and, and, they've, and they've done their best with it. And uh, Duncan Brown's an excellent lighting uh, designer. Um, but it is, you know, to a modern audience, that is, you know, it jars. Um, uh, and especially if you're like, and you can see where the smoke gun is there, uh, the smoke comes in from the corner. Um, uh, but uh, having listened to this, of course, on on the cassette, um, have I have I contextualized this enough? Actually, that um, uh, uh, there was a, yeah, there was a, a cassette, an edited version of this story available on cassette before the days of home video when we could just watch Doctor Who whenever we wanted. So it was like Gold Duster, but it was the only Doctor Who story you you could sort of experience in that way. So. If you had it, it was all you had. And so you went over and over and over again. Um, but of course, on on audio, the change from the location to the studio happens without you even realizing it. So my brain had never taken the leap that these scenes in the trenches were any different to the scenes that were outside. Although of course, we get that stark change. Quality from film to VT. Here's Richard Reeves as the Khalid leader. There was a, he, people that sort of lost track of him. I think there was a rumor that he 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 died, but I know a couple of people wrote to him very recently and 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 got signed pictures back. So he's still about. Uh, uh, he features quite heavily in the cassette. Most of his scenes are in the cassette, whereas actually in the story itself, there's quite a few characters that are very familiar if you're uh, a fan of the cassette, who actually in the story itself um, do as little some other characters who you, you don't see, you know, you don't, don't feature at all in a cassette. So that's interesting. I'm going to go on about the cassette a lot, aren't I? I'm sorry about that. Guy Seiner, General Raven. The other thing about this story is there's a BBC comedy called A Low set uh, during the Second World War, the occupation of... Uh, 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 is, it, is it France or Belgium? Um, uh, France. Um, and... The uh, it's a Croft and Perry, it's not Croft and Perry, though, it? it's Jeremy Lloyd. It's it's a, it's a comedy made by you know, in the style of the Dad's Armies, the Heidi Highs, the uh, the Milords, uh, the, those fine traditions of British comedy doing that really odd thing of making a comedy out of uh, a terrifying and awful period of very recent history and somehow getting away with it and also spoofing one of the best programs. BBC dramas ever made, Secret Army, to the expe- extent that Secret Army is now only seen as the thing that inspired a lower low, which is to everybody's uh, disadvantage and shame because Secret Army is is really one of the best BBC dramas ever made. And uh, if you haven't seen it, I urge you so to do. I believe it's on BritBox now. Um, I have it on DVD. Um, but anyway, Guy Seiner here uh, is uh, in a lower low as Lieutenant Gruber. Um, uh, uh, who is uh, the Who is the he's, he's the the gay German officer, and it's a very sweet performance that he gives. But um, Hilary Minster, who's also turns up in this, uh, is also in Alo Alo. Uh, so it's interesting that Doctor Who and sitcom cast its uh, nasties naz, Nazis from the same cloth, uh, and this is this is clever, of course, because I, I, and I like the point the Doctor makes later about very young generals, which uh, you know is a very clever way of showing how desperately awful um and consuming of life this war has been if uh, guy signer there is playing general and of course he gets the line about exterminating the Thars, which he delivers with ferocity but he's a boy he's the nazi youth it's clever so lots of little clever touches there i love the way he says you'll never get out of here alive um i worked with guy recently on a corporate video in fact it was the reason i did it lovely chap called uh, david mansell said will you come to a Corporate video and, uh, and I was like, it's a, it's a long way to come. And I like David, and go, well, I go. Uh, he said, but and I, I wouldn't normally do it. You know, I I, I I try not to uh, uh, travel for much, and uh, but it was a, a safety safety video thing. said and, uh, and Guy Guy Sine is doing it, and David because David's such a good, and experienced TV director. All the casts he gets gets are always good. So you go, oh well, if it's a you know I'll do it if it's a day with a really interesting cast of good people, and uh, that, and there were some people from more recent telly uh, as well, but but. But Guy was the lure for me. I got to work with General Raven, uh, <laughs> uh, nice fellow, um, uh, and uh, and yes, and I like that set of the with the battlefield, which I'd forgotten uh, from watching it and hadn't hadn't sort of pictured quite when I listened to the cassette. Uh, I think you can get yourself a, a tin and put a pound in every time I say cassette. Uh, we'll raise a fortune for charity. Um, I like Sarah's yellow coat. Um, but yes, it's very good. The way that the Khalid civilization is depicted is excellent. And it's amazing, isn't it, how this was commissioned by the team of Letts and Dicks, uh, but it is very much a Hinchcliffe Holmes production. Uh, it's amazing how, you know, short, uh, how many stories is this? You know, it's, 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 it's what's three after Robot, four after Planet of Spiders. It's a different show. It's tougher. It's gritty. Look at that lighting from Duncan Brown. It's excellent. Um, The attention to detail of making it, I think what Philip Hinchcliffe would call muscular. It's muscular storytelling. It's a muscular depiction, uh, you know, within the confines of it being a kid's tea time drama. Um, but, But, you know, the lines are a little crueler. The performances are a little more uncompromising or a little less compromising. Um, You know, and and our heroes are wielding guns and shoving them in the smalls of people's backs. And here is the amazing Peter Miles, who I have to say, I've encountered Peter a few times and he was an eccentric fellow. He was quite a strange man and he was nothing like as 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 cold as uh, as he is as Night here. He was a bit more of a turn. Uh, He had a bit of patter uh, about him uh, and. and yet i think he is absolutely pitch perfect as nida here i think it's an absolutely superb performance a brilliant piece of casting and i love the fact you know in in lesser doctor who that you know you the villain would be undermined there because um uh, uh you know the the doctor would have um uh, uh, tricked tricked him there but nida is not tricked uh, and i also like the fact that he tells raven to get down because he's conserving his, his 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 fellow soldier because he's a resource that needs conserving and i love the line that he gets about we'll find out what's different about them by autopsy that he's just about to say that is this society this setup this world in a nutshell um i mean and the fact that they they look like Nazis. Uh, and, I, and I like the fact that NIDA, you know, I think one of the great things about NIDA is he doesn't enjoy it. You know, there's no cruel smirk there. It's cold. It's clinical. It's efficient. Uh, and, and that's why it's even more frightening. Um, and a word for Tom Baker. Come on. Uh, I've, I've not even mentioned him. And machine guns. Machine guns make a difference. Graham Harper knows this in Caves of Androzani. The, I like a laser bolt. For this story, the machine guns are, are really really important. It's a shame that you get that sort of um, Venetian blind effect uh, from machine guns in the studio. And and it's it's and isn't it amazing that you know viewers and television people just start to go, well, we get lines when there's guns, and if we want guns, we get the lines. Um, but look at all these, all these. I think all these shots in the uh, in the. Uh, are on location with the cowled figures silhouetted, and just the colour, that chalky, dusty landscape. Um, you know where the, the the stones are sharp. You know, and and there's rusty things, and uh, you know you can imagine sort of shrapnel burying itself into somebody's thigh. You know, it's, it's it's you can imagine broken teeth of people getting knocked about. It's that kind of environment, which you know. It's it's not the jungles of Spireddon, which which are slightly more. Fan- I know there's a bit on, on location there, but but it's slightly more fantastical. This is there's nothing fantastical about this. You know, people in balaclavas, people have those those uh, whatever those cloak those waterproof cloaks are called, which are very see, reminiscent to me of you know German soldiers in World War One, and all of that stuff's very haunting because you know it's people within living memory, or certainly was at the time, and living history, and and you know genuine people in horrific situations which are just so evocative um yeah so so a word and, and just shooting through barbed wire and, oh and we love the, the the mutos with their smoking feet it's amazing how good how much you value dry ices in in productions like this i mean look at all that mist and but then you've got the 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 muto with his smoking foot as well i mean i don't know what that suggests I don't know why it's foot smoking, but it's pretty, it's pretty, it's effective and it's pretty grim. And there, and, you know, again, sometimes shambling aliens, that's a brilliant shot of Peter Miles's eye through the, the through the spyglass and it, it accentuates his, uh, his iron cross as well, which I think is a bit too on the nose and, and they do remove it later on. I, I think, you know, if you can be a metaphors for Nazis without dressing exactly the same as Nazis, um, uh, uh but um, yes shambling aliens like the mutos can sometimes be a little bit e- e- embarrassing you know grunting um you know uh, uh, you know actors unconvincingly sort of grunting away but uh, the mutos silent and 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 uh, just a sort of slightly contorted shape that's a sort of parody of the of of the normal human silhouette is, is you know it's effectively different enough to be unsettling and grotesque i think everything is so well judged here. Um, and I like the sort of uneasiness between. And I think I, this is great. I feel like because of the, the, the 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 set feels like it has a roof. It feels like we're in a bunker, or or you know, or we are underground. Or we're protected. Um, the the sense of place is very good. I love this speech that he does. They were banished into the ways that they event. scavenged like animals. Ah. Oh. He's so good And look at race pure we must keep the carled race pure and look how he holds his gaze he's totally unintimidated by the doctor and a very harsh policy said the doctor speaking volumes i mean the the, the exchange here and your views are not important oh and i lo- and i just love little touches like that the army has prisoners, the elite are a different thing. The little factions there. Uh and, and it shows the pecking order. So you think, you know, normally deal well, with the general's gonna be the somebody that's in charge. Oh no, there's this there's this other bunch. What's that about? Uh and and doesn't this have this episode has the line as well, isn't it? They'll, they'll be hanged instead of shot. Uh you know, war war is hell. Um but it, it, it cleverly and economically um, and I, I, suspect it's. I mean, I may be being unfair on Terry Nation, but I, I sense the hand in of Robert Holmes in the those little economical bits of world building. Um, uh, yeah, they. No <laughs> Nobody ever went. Should we, should we be a bit more subtle about the Nazi thing? I don't mind it, but. Uh, and of course, it's. It's it's less stark now because we have because there's so many World War two films at this period, I I wonder if it's perhaps it would be perhaps a bit too over familiar here, uh, you know, watching if you were to do a sort of, you know, Doctor Who marathon and all you were watching was Doctor Who or, um, you know, you you, you put this off the shelf, having watched a load of modern stuff, I I, I think it's it's perhaps more effective. Um, But but there were a lot of Nazis on TV and films in uh, at at this period of time. and of course, Terry Nation, this is what I will credit Terry Nation with is splitting the TARDIS team up, which is, is a great way of telling the story. And here we have the beginning of Davros, which again, now oh, because oh, there's a lot to say about Davros. Um, so I was born in between this and Destiny. So Davros was already established by the time I knew about Doctor Who, but I hadn't seen him. Destiny is one of my very, very first memories. And I remember... Davros coming because I knew Davros was dead so Davros was was old and dead even though actually from where I was positioned he was new because he was in the last Dalek story that had been transmitted but to me Genesis was you know like all of the other Daleks like Day or uh, Masterplan or whatever you know it was an old Dalek story the fact that you know when I was watching Doctor 2 it was only a couple of years old made no difference um it's a great cliffhanger. I think it's a better cliffhanger at the time than it is now because uh, it's got so many things that are sort of so familiar and with da- we know with Davros the best is yet to come. But as a reveal, that's pretty good. Um, it always annoys me that they, they get uh, Davros, Nider and Garmin all get sort of bunched together on the credits. I think they deserve bigger writing and more space to themselves, which they never quite get. Michael Wisher never gets a a single credit caption, I don't think. Um, uh, and, and I'm sure Garmin gets further down the credits as he gets more to do, which makes a bit annoying for him. Anyway, the, I, the only I care about this stuff. Um Elmer Cossie, film cameraman. Wow, well, he went on to have a terrific uh, career, Elmer Cossie, actually, in movies. So, uh, I mean, the photography is absolutely superb. Um, so I'm gonna pause that and I'm, I'm using the wrong remote control. So I'm gonna pause that because I need to choose my favorite thing about that episode. Oh God. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it could be anything. There's nothing bad in it. It's brilliant, isn't it? Even if you're not a Genesis liker, that, that doesn't put a foot wrong. It's a terrific production. It's a flawless cast. Um, I mean, the Khalid leader guy has very seventies hair, and there's that stark bit between um, location and VT. But that was, the, you know, those those would have, you know, that they were just in the grammar of the time. I I think it, I think it, I think it doesn't put a foot wrong, and it has so much to recommend it. the, the dialogue sings. I mean, I, I, it has an advantage, of course, that it's etched into my brainstem because of repeated listing over and over and over again anyway look what is my favorite thing about that oh there's so much that's good about it shall I say I I will say the film work because that because that encompasses those that brilliant slow motion deaths at the beginning, which is such a simple thing to do that all immediately says, I I'm mean business. And this is horrible. <laughs> but uh, at the scene with the time Lord, which has got, you know, it's got the seventh seal thing going on about it, but it's also got some cracking lines. Um, uh, and, uh, uh, you know, and, 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 and a great performance from John Franklin Robbins but all those the silhouettes the smoke the chalky bricks that's just the sound of going over the, all that, that all those rocks bits of rusty metal lying around and the fact that so much of it the fact that it's a Doctor Who story that opens with about 10 minutes of film I think is is you know that so it really sets its stall it puts its puts its money up front as it were and then of course we know the stuff that's later on it involves you know good dialogue and good acting but it's what it's done is it sucked us into that world so I'm gonna say the stuff on film although honorable mention to you know the dialogue and um, the world building and Peter Miles. I mean I've got to be careful with Peter Miles because he is amazing I'm sure David's gonna choose him so I've got to choose him before David does because if the rules are if I choose something in episode one that is then chosen for episode four I do get the points for that however if David chooses something now that I would have perhaps chosen in two or three episodes' time, uh, that's tough. I have to choose something else because once it is chosen by my guest, it is claimed and I cannot get points for that. So uh, probably thinking that David will now choose. Ha 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 Peter Miles as NIDA. Let's hear what he's got to say.
1: Right. Episode one. Episode one of Genesis of the Daleks. Well, I mean, I was blown away. There was so much in it. This Nazi world, the war between, oh, I forgot their f-ing names. The ongoing Dalek war, which we'd seen in the movie, Doctor and the Daleks, which I think was the first movie I ever saw, and which we kept returning to, and which I will be returning to. But for me, the thing about the episode, which I'm going to remember is not something which I can share with hardly anyone else. It's that I saw it at a friend's house and that was kind of weird because I was a fairly solitary kid and Doctor Who, famously, sofas, all that, was something you'd watch with your family or on your own. I happened to be at someone else's house. Charles Gurry, his name is. I went to school with him. His nickname was Bince because Bince Gurry, do you see, it was kind of a weird pun. And he wasn't a close friend of mine, but on this occasion, 8th of March 1975, I was at his family house. And maybe I went round for tea, I imagine so, because we watched it. And that's an aspect of Doctor Who that people tend to forget. It tends to be, I'm a fan, it belongs to me, there are no other people watching it in the world. How dare you say the nodules on the Cybermen's head are wrong. In fact, they are the 1974 nodules from defence of the Cybermen and all that. So that for me is my thing about episode one.
0: Well, (laughs) I was never going to choose the fact that I watched it at Charles Gummidge's house because I didn't. But uh, I love that. Um, uh, And and I'm, I'm pleased that this podcast opens up the possibility for that sort of thing because... Let's face it, the competition is moot. I, I have I have singularly failed to ever win. Um, it's just a jumping off point uh, for us to discuss different things. And actually, I do have that in common with David, that I didn't watch this at somebody else's house. But of course, my cassette um, uh, was was given to me by a friend. And, and that showed a friendship, uh, an up, sort of unspoken thing of, of somebody who was slightly... Because we didn't have an awful lot of money, so we, I didn't have many things... Uh, a friend and just sort of going oh you hang on to that because they did have things and this particular thing would have meant more to me than to him but he didn't he wasn't ostentatious with that i was just allowed to hang on to it and uh, i'd forgotten about that until we started talking about this my friend ollie and i spoke to him very recently because we're facebook friends and he's doing a, uh, a a project where he's trying to remember things from school and we we had a right old chat for a couple of hours and we were, we were great friends for, for you know we were when we were younger, and that, I think that's important that you, you know, you break bread with other people when you when you watch Doctor Who, and some of my, you know, very good friendships now are, are through people I met. So when I came out of the closet as a Doctor Who fan with my one-man show my set by Doctor Who scarf, having not really known any Doctor Who fans apart from my mate Mark and a couple of others, um, but, but they weren't involved in the world of fandom, in inverted commas. And suddenly uh, I met all sorts of people, you know, who I could dip down to the pub with and and discuss the cyber nodules from Defence of the Cybermen. I don't know where he got that from. (laughs) Uh, uh, And, you know, I have a common language with everybody from, you know, somebody who works in television uh, that I've never met, like David, to a, 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 a policeman called Rick who stopped me once uh, uh, when I was wearing a Doctor Who scarf and said nice things, and is now, uh, I know, a listener to this podcast who, as I record this, uh, pulled up when I was walking somewhere tonight and said, did I want to lift? And I was nearly there. Uh, and we uh, and I was already late, and we had a five-minute conversation about Doctor Who, and we're going to go and meet for a coffee. Um, and Because it's what I enjoy talking about, and it's because I've met so many people from so many different backgrounds, and you immediately have that, that uh that bond, you know, the, 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 the commonality. Uh, and that's a good point that David uh, raises, even though I wasn't going to have a chance in hell of that being a thing. As we go, i either going to choose Peter Miles or the Nazis. And, oh, it's chosen. In fact, he watched it as princess. But I like what that has opened up as a conversation. And boy, I like Genesis of the Daleks. Um, okay. Well, uh, I, I think, uh, I think we're on a roll. So, um, uh, you know, we've, we've got the opening instalment where well, the story hasn't really started. It was all mood and tension and a bit of character. So I would like to, like to think that uh, now we can begin. Well, next time on Happy Times and Places.
1: And, yeah, it says here, shamelessly plug anything you have coming up or your online presence. Well, I'm on Twitter, and on Twitter I'll be talking about my forthcoming quiz book, Quantic's quite difficult quiz book, which contains, I hope, many, many Doctor Who-related rounds, including Doctor Who villain or musical instrument. I'm sure you can guess the crossover there. Thank you, Toby. Thank you, everyone.
0: Thank you so much for listening to Happy Times and Places, which is presented by me, Toby Haydock. My special guest this time around is David Quantic, who can be found on Twitter at Quantic. Q U A N T I C K. And his book is out as this is released in November 2021. So do go get that. Thank you to patrons of this podcast to include Lisa Gledhill, David Green, Robin Groen, Paul J. Guest, Susan Harrison, Steve Hatcher, Duncan Harvey, Stephen Hill, Simon Hodges, Sam Hollingsworth, Matthew Hooliston, Darren Howard, Gregory Hudson, David Hughes, Paul Ingerson, Robert Jewell, Christopher Joyce, Judith Jackson. William Keith Matthew Kilburn Andy Kitching Hendrik Korzyniowski Andrew Lester Andrew Llewellyn Jakob Lumley Nate Lynch Dallal McLean Pitt Maidley Nick Mellish James Miller and Justin E. Monaghan The music is by Dave Gates and the artwork by Dylan Patterson And if you would like to join that list of patrons' names you can do so by going to patreon.com forward slash toby Haydok. tiers start from as little as three pounds a month it's fairly egalitarian most of the goodies are available at the bottom tier you can get an extra discount on that and indeed all tiers if you sign up for a year 10 percent off for signing up for a year in one go there are advanced releases uh, and uh, uh, patron exclusives uh, including a podcast called far too much information which is you only get if you are a patron. It will never come out otherwise. But that's quite a commitment and times are hard. So I'll tell you what, you could go to koficom ficom forward slash Toby Haydoke and just buy me a coffee every now and again. It's a metaphorical coffee. I don't drink coffee. I'll spend it on bills and household cleaning products, um, but certainly nothing frivolous. Uh, and you can do that whenever you like, whenever you think I'm looking uh, hungry, lean, or like I need to clean my kitchen. Um, But I also know that times are tough, and uh, not everybody can contribute financially. I'm just happy that you're listening. I'm grateful to you for doing so. But what you could do, which really does help, is go online anywhere you like and sing from the rooftops how much you enjoy these podcasts, if indeed you do. If you don't, just don't say anything. If you don't, you should really have stopped listening by now and you've only got yourself to blame there's a lot of podcasts out there um but if you do enjoy this stuff please go to itunes or wherever you get your podcast and give this a five star rating give it a positive review because uh, that just helps it to ascend the charts of of the algorithms and visibilities and uh, just makes it more worthwhile, me doing this stuff. Uh, It does my ego no harm too, and it's a bruised little thing. I had a complicated childhood, and now I'm making up for it by basically seeking your approval in as many media as is physically and vocally possible. So go on, make an old man very happy. Uh, and uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at Haydoke Podcasts. Uh, that's for just these podcasts. But if you're interested in the other stuff that I do, uh, follow me at Toby Haydoke. Yes, I've even got two Twitter streams so that I can seek your approval uh, uh, from more than one angle. Oh, God, even even I hate me by the end of this. Uh, anyway, there we go. That's all of the, that's the, that's the Oliver Twist bit. Um, no, now you can't have any more. Uh, if you want to come to my comedy night in Manchester, it's 8 p.m. every Tuesday at uh, the Breadshed. The night is called Excess Malarkey. It's been running for 24 years, so it must be getting something right. Top comedy, co- co- top comedies, top tom- co- com- comedians. Uh, it's only a word I've had to say every Tuesday for 24 years. Top comedians from the national and international circuit, uh, all for a very affordable price. Um, we keep the prices as low as possible and the comedians as good as they can be. And we've had loads of uh, stars of the future and of the present on because uh, it's a much-loved hub. Uh, if you can't get to Manchester, you still have the opportunity to sample it by going to twitch.tv forward slash We do a live comedy show, comics from the international comedy circuit uh, and m- m- me, the affable glue that holds it together um, at 8pm on the first Sunday of every month. Uh, but there are clips and highlights and everything else still hanging around thereafter. And the live show itself uh, is available for 14 days after it airs, which is, remember, the first Sunday of every month. I think that's probably just about enough from me. The reason I say cassette the way that I say cassette is because I'm sure there's a, there's a Doctor Who thing. Is it, is it Tom Baker on the Tom Baker is where he says cassette? And so it's, you could say it's an homage, but uh, I think it's probably more accurately an affectation. But nonetheless, it's a Tom Baker flavoured affectation, so I'm going to stick with it. But okay, for all you fans of correct pronunciation, cassette. You happy now?